The story is told of a little drummer who was in Napoleon's army. This drummer, apparently, during Napoleon's march on Russia, lost his footing while marching in the Alps. And while he was not seriously injured, he could not get out of the chasm on his own. So he did what any good drummer was going to do. He started beating his own drum to, attack, to attract attention. Yet, none of the soldiers dared to break rank without orders from their commander. After a while, the drummer realized he was getting nowhere. So he began to march to the beat of his own death march on the drum. That's when the hardened soldiers began to weep. Yet Napoleon was not moved. You see, Napoleon was too busy conquering the world to remember an insignificant drummer boy who had clumsily lost his footing. Thank God Jesus is not like Napoleon. And yet, in many ways, Jesus does look like Napoleon in our gospel lesson today. Because in our gospel lesson today, Jesus is beginning his march towards the cross. The place where he will suffer and die for the sins of the world. In the verses immediately preceding our gospel lesson today, Jesus had had a major tiff and a major issue with some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders from Jerusalem about their religious traditions. So because the hostility was so great, Jesus decided that he was going to leave where he was preaching and teaching and go over to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon, I don't expect you to have the map of Israel etched in your mind as it is in mind. The region of Tyre and Sidon are immediately next to Israel. This region, however, was always a different country, dominated by foreign nations. They had a different language. They had a different religion. And they, had, uh, they were full of idols. Jesus doesn't go to Tyre and Sidon to do ministry. No, Jesus' reason for going to Tyre and Sidon was because he knew that he needed to escape from confrontation until the time when the confrontation with sin, death, and the devil himself would take place on the cross. Now imagine Jesus... He's walking around Tyre and Sidon, and he's trying to keep a low profile the whole time, when all of the sudden, while he is there, all of the sudden, he hears the sound of a little drummer's march. Who is this drummer? It is the Canaanite woman a spiritually unclean woman, an idolatrous woman, a woman who had no 
reason at all to address the spiritual leader of Israel as her Lord and Savior. And yet that is exactly what she is doing. The poor woman is crying and pleading out, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. In the original language, the way that she pleads reads as a continuous action. It's not like she just said this once and then just let it go. She pleaded over and over and over again at regular intervals, like a drummer stuck in a chasm, unable to free either herself or her daughter from their spiritual condition. And yet there is Jesus himself, seemingly ignoring her pleas. That's when the disciples stepped in. And like good soldiers, they heard the continuous pleas of the woman, but they did not weep for the woman. Instead, they tried to get rid of the woman, saying, send her away. She's crying out after us. Yes, Jesus heard with his ears the cry of the woman, but he wasn't paying attention to it. And he explains why to the disciples and to everyone else in a loud voice that he was brought into this area and to march only to give the good news to the people of the house of Israel. What this means when he said this is that he was describing his ministry not as a miracle worker, not as somebody who you can simply call on to do whatever you want to do. He is there for specific people who believe in him and trust in him. And yet there is that woman continuing to plead on and implore Jesus again and again. And I love this picture here because it describes it in such a beautiful way because the woman goes so far as not to just plead with Jesus, she goes so far as to block Jesus' way by begging at his feet, persistently pleading, Lord, help me. Yet Jesus continues to ignore her. And he implies that the food that he gives, his forgiveness, his word, his life, his salvation, his rescue from the devil's scheme, even rescue from the devil, from demons themselves, is a food that is meant for God's people of Israel, for a people who deserve it, and not for her, a dog. And dogs here are not a positive thing. When she uses the word, or when Jesus uses the word dog here, he describes it as a scraggly and gangly, pitiful and pathetic street dog. Yet that woman keeps on crying out. She goes so far as to accept Jesus' own description of her. I'm using my own words here to describe it. He said, the woman says, yes, Lord, but don't even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table? What that means is, yes, it's true. I am a pathetic street dog. I don't deserve to get any good food. Yet you, Lord, know that even dogs deserve to eat. 
So don't I deserve just a little, just a little bit of your mercy? That's what stops Jesus from marching. He hears the poor, undeserving, idolatrous Canaanite woman and declares that she has unexpected faith. She doesn't have just a little bit of faith, a crumb of faith. She has a whole Thanksgiving meal worth of faith. She has enough faith to stop the master and commander of the armies of the Lord of the hosts on his way to the cross to demand of the Lord himself that he would stop his march for the rescue of sin, death, and the devil just to give her a little mercy. Given everything that's happened this morning and because I've been a worshiper in the pews as well, I know one of the last things that we actually all pay attention to because we're so busy thinking about other things is the prayer called the collect of the day. That's the prayer that we, we spake in between the this is the feast and the um, beginning of the readings. And I, what I want you to do right now is I want you to open up your worship folder and I want you to look at that prayer. It's called the prayer of the day. It's on page three. It's about two-thirds of the way down the page. We're going to say that prayer together again. I will lead it. Almighty and everlasting Father, you give your children many blessings, even though we are undeserving. In every trial and temptation, grant us steadfast confidence in your loving kindness and mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Almighty and everlasting Father, you give your children many blessings even though they are undeserving. You know, I know you love Casey, there's going to be times when you feel like she doesn't deserve the love that you give her. There's going to be times when you're going to yell at her. There's going to be times when you're going to feel like Jesus who's wanting to push her aside. And you know what she's going to do? She's going to keep crying. And she's going to keep crying. And she's going to keep crying. Listen to her cries. And even if you can't give her everything that you have, give her the little bit of grace that she deserves. Not grace that you give as a parent to a child, but the grace that you give as a as a husband and a wife to a child who is a child of God. And that, what I say here, I say to all of you, we're all undeserving of mercy. We're all like the Canaanite woman. 
were all pitiful street dogs undeserving of God's grace and mercy. We say it in a hymn. We deserve but grief and shame. We say it in our liturgy. We justly deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment. And the reason why is clear. Because of our own sins. By our sins against our Lord, we are crying out against him, saying, crucify him. By our sins against our Lord, we are pounding the nails into his hand. By our sins against him, we are the ones thrusting the spear into his side. By our sins against him, we are the ones who are deriding him as he silently takes it all on the cross. And yet, notice what Jesus does when he is on the cross. Does Jesus give you what you deserve when you're on the cross or when he's on the cross? I'm asking the question. Does Jesus give you what you deserve when he hangs on the cross? You know what he says? Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Today, when you came to worship today, you received those words into your heart. Casey received those words in the waters of baptism. You received those words in the absolution that was given. And you will receive that word when you receive the sacrament of the altar. Yeah, it doesn't seem like much. It's just three words, I forgive you in Christ's name. But take it for what it is. Although it is a crumb of mercy, it has the ability to last a lifetime. Accept the crumb of mercy that your Lord is handing to you today. Twelve years ago, I was a student in seminary, and I was having a pretty rough week, so I decided to email the wife of my pastor, who happened to be a good friend of mine, as I did on a regular basis. At the end of her email, which, by the way, I scoured my email over 12 years' worth of email to find this. Yes, I did. I scoured 12 years of emails to find this because her words still stick in my head to this day. She, as her husband was dying, as her pastor was dying of brain cancer, as she was trying to fill her vocations as, as wife and as the church organist, wrote these words to me to encourage me. She said, the important things in life are never easy, but the eternal rewards are so worth it. The important things in life are never easy, but the eternal rewards are so worth it. Learn from the Canaanite woman today what it means, what this means. She didn't deserve that eternal blessing, and yet she kept on crying and crying and crying and crying until she got it. 
And that's my prayer for you for today as well as for every day that follows this day. Keep pleading for God's mercy. But more than just plead for God's mercy, have faith that he will give you what you need and that the crumbs of mercy that he gives you on a day-to-day basis, though they seem little, have an eternal value. May God keep us in this faith until the end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.